0: Let us pray again before we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word and we pray that as we look now at this passage, you would open our eyes to see your wisdom, hear your words and be encouraged in our trials. Amen. Well, the trials of life are often tough. No one goes through life without some great tragedy or some great suffering. And for a number, there are many trials and sufferings. And we don't need to go looking for trials and sufferings. They come to us, unwanted. And yet there they are. It is hard to live through some of them. And we can easily become despondent, despairing, and give up on life or give up on God. What can help us to live through the trials of life? Well, today in our passage, we find words to help us through the trials of life. But before we look at the trials... Let's look at the first verse of James and familiarise ourselves with where we are in the book of James. Have a look again at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. So first of all, we see that the author of the letter is James. And it's thought it's the same James that stars in Acts chapter 15 and who is the physical brother of Jesus. And that's pretty clear, but it's also clear who the immediate recipients are. The reference to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations makes it clear that Jewish believers who live outside the ancient, in the boundaries of ancient Israel are the first audience. In other words, the Jewish diaspora, uh, and this is backed up by references that Jewish people would know, like the word synagogue. Uh, But he doesn't refer to the temple a lot because that wasn't part of their lived experience because they didn't live in the land. They are part of the diaspora, they're in the nations. In fact, although it's written to Jewish believers, there's some other noticeable things that aren't mentioned. There's no mention of sacrifices, like in Hebrews, which goes on and on about sacrifices. Uh, Nor is there mention of the uh, keeping the law slash circumcision, circumcision, that word, controversy of Acts. In fact, although it's written to Jewish believers, the themes of the book are remarkably universal. So there's nothing in James where we might say, well, that only applies to Jewish believers it's pretty clear all of it applies directly to us as well so what kind of literature is this then well at first glance it looks like a letter you look at that greeting there at the start but it's more like a collection of sayings and thoughts Uh, it's not written in the style of the other letters of the new testament so if you're going to compare James to other parts of the Bible, it's probably more like the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Books like Proverbs or particularly Ecclesiastes or Job. It is the New Testament equivalent of wisdom literature. And this makes it a bit disjointed from time to time as it jumps around a bit as it follows different thoughts. Like a collection of sayings and it just, you bounce around a bit. It's not like the linear uh, arguments of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans say. Like all wisdom literature, it assumes salvation through faith in Jesus. As it is more concerned with how to live now that we have been saved. And are waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. So then. Well, all that big introduction, now we know how it works. What does James have to say? Well, have a look again at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James here tells us to consider it pure joy to face trials. And this is somewhat surprising. Normally, those two things don't go in the same sentence together. Uh, we tend to think of trials as something where you grit your teeth and you get through it. Or it's a bit like a windy day in Goulburn where you just lean forward and you press on. And get there. And yet, here James is telling us to consider it Joy it's slightly counterintuitive it doesn't seem to make sense why would James tell us to consider it pure joy to face trials well he explains have a look at verse 3 because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We should consider trials pure joy because it is character building. Adversity, we're told, brings perseverance. And perseverance over time brings maturity and completeness. It's a bit like supporting that team that always seems to get beaten. You know, like the Melbourne Renegades, or the West Tigers, or the Wallabies. The faithful fan turns up again each match to watch their team lose again. And they know that come Monday morning, other fans will stir them. Or worse still, have compassion on them. But it's worth it because all that pain brings perseverance and maturity and completeness. Now, friends, that's a trivial example, isn't it? In real life, trials are far more serious. It could be bullying at school or work. It could be rejection or exclusion from your family or friends. It could be war famine sickness disease death and more the trials of life are hard painful difficult but we read here that they aren't meaningless for those who trust in jesus for us our trials bring perseverance, which leads to maturity and completeness. Or to put it in the words of Romans eight twenty eight and 29, we know that in all things, including the trials, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. every bit of suffering that we go through as believers is used by God to make us more like Jesus. And that means it's not meaningless suffering, but actually purposeful. That is the completeness that perseverance brings to be like Jesus. And so we have comfort Even joy as we face trials because we know that God is using it to mold us and shape us so that we are conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. Now appropriately for a wisdom book, James goes on to talk about wisdom. Have a look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Verses 5 to 8 tell us that part of our becoming like Jesus is becoming wise. And James tells us to ask God for wisdom. Ask him to show us what is good and right and helpful to do whilst we await the return of the Lord Jesus. And the promise here is that we ask for God's wisdom and don't doubt, then he will give it to us. We will receive his wisdom. That is, we will know his way to live in life, which, of course, is the wise way to live. And if we're wise, we will remember humility in our wealth. Verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. The rich ought to be humble and remember that their wealth is transitory. It is wise to do that. You can see here a conscious echo of Ecclesiastes, can't you? Death overtakes the rich too, nullifying their wealth, which they cannot take with them. So let us be humble, for we will not be rich for long. At least, not in that way. And friends, this is indeed wisdom from God, isn't it? For our world places so much store on wealth and honours the wealthy. If you don't believe me, notice the difference between the way real estate agents treats buyers, sellers and landlords and renters. It's a difference, isn't it? And that's just the way our society works. Not picking on them. Everything in our society is like that. Those with wealth are highly honoured. And this is the case for every human society. And that can fool us into thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. So it is wise for we who are wealthy... To remember that we will pass away and one day own nothing. And for all of us, our perseverance leads to a wonderful conclusion. Have a look at verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When we persevere to the end, whether that's our own ends or the end of the Lord Jesus returning, whichever comes first, when we persevere to the end under the trials of life, we receive the crown of life. That is heaven itself. Those who persevere are those who keep trusting Jesus no matter what happens to them in life their faith is not shaken and shattered by their trials rather they joyfully press on trusting Jesus to the end like a soldier marching to his destination in sunshine or rain or hail or blizzard or enemy fire we press on to the goal joyfully Even knowing that the trial is worth it because of the crown of life that awaits. So brothers and sisters, let us press on. And as we do so, let us not do so with glum faces or with gritted teeth. But with joy in our hearts, whatever life throws at us. Because those trials, well, they produce perseverance and maturity and completeness. They refine us and make us more like Jesus. And at the end, the joy of heaven awaits us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks We thank you that you are a good God who loves his children and blesses them with every spiritual blessing. And we thank you for these wise words that you have given to the Apostle James. We thank you that he has written them for us. And you have spoken and told us that our trials are worth it. And that we ought to live in joy, despite the trials. Because we are being made to be like Jesus. And because heaven awaits us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would live that way. We know that's not possible in our own strength, considering the horrible things that happen. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in us and mould us and shape us so that we would react with joy to trials and suffering, knowing that it's making us more like Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.